Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. And he's old. And I'm young. But we're both cute. You're listening to a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host, Nick Scopes. And the Gregolicious. You know how we do, because you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. About it, kitty. Cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah. Cause this is comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready. Cause we about to get it popping. And we ain't stopping. Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I'm the Pugalicious. <laughs> Gregory gay, gay for pay Alperin. Awesome. Amen. There you have it. Our guest today. <laughs> eh, I mean, for food. You give him like a sandwich, he's like, all right, whatever. Or a good book. Or a good book. <laughs> yeah, or a good book. Either one. Um, our guest today is the very funny professional roaster, comedian. You do it all, dude. Alex Hooper. How are you, my man? Oh, I am thrilled to be here. I currently have a little Korean pug licking my arm. And, uh, you know, what a great status quo to start off the podcast. With. What, what's, what's he or she's name? This is Kimchi. Uh, she's been, uh, she really, she really is rescued from Korea. Um, yeah. Oh, I, wow. I have two pugs, one from Mexico, one from Korea. And, uh, yeah. So, you know. You get, Very you, cool. When you're walking around with her in, in LA, do you get a lot of uh, like, what's the reaction when when you say, "Hey, kimchi"? Like, what what people laugh? I, like, what I, do you get? I, I I had someone once say, "I think that name is racist," and I was like, <laughs> "No, I think, I think you're racist for thinking that naming your dog after a food from the country where she was born is racist." I'm not sure where your head is going, but. <laughs> You know, she's a, she's a little sweet, a little sour, a little salty, a little spicy, and she's definitely been fermented for just long enough. Just long enough. It's a, you know it's what's perfect. funny? No, go ahead. What I was going to say was I know – now, I think this is a racist dog name, okay? I know of somebody, white guy, owns a black lab. He named his black lab Django. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of borderline. You know? No, he's a moron. Like, he's a moron. That's a dumb person. Like, what's wrong with you, dude? And he's like, no, no, no. It's Django, you know, from a children's cartoon. It's not what you're thinking about. He couldn't be whiter. Like, he couldn't be whiter. And I'm like, dude, oh, I can't, I can't hang out with people that don't get life you know what i mean like they just it doesn't understand it doesn't understand I, get that. I just needed to get that out anyway sure. I, love, I love the name i love the name i love the food i love everything about it so i, I think Amazing. That's yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so you're i mean we can talk about that like you're a pug guy like yeah like, i mean they uh 
Rich, yeah, I mean, I, I was never a dog guy growing up. Um, and then, you know, like seven years ago, uh, my girlfriend and I moved in together and she really wanted a dog and I didn't. And uh, she just looked at me and she goes, yeah, well, you're not the one who's alo- who's home alone every single night while I'm out doing comedy. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so no argument there. I guess we're getting a dog. And she was like, what do you <laughs> want? Um, and I just kind of thought like, well, pugs are the funniest dog to me. And they've always made me laugh. And then we went and saw some and they were so sweet. And instantly my world was just like turned upside down. I fell so in love and, you know, started working them into my comedy and into all these other things. And then basically they just became a huge part of who I was. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, I mean, it, it's really legit, like a love of yours. I mean, you have a, you did a calendar for the p- a pug rescue. I mean, that's dedicated yeah. to a breed. Yeah, for real. Right? <laughs> yeah. And that was one of those things where like, that was, it was just a silly idea where I made this calendar called pug yoga and it was kimchi. Who's this little Zen master, like do and I doing yoga all over Los Angeles and had this brilliant photographer, my friend, Troy Conrad, who shoots sure. for comedy central and so yep. many other people. He shot the hell out of this calendar and next thing we knew it was on sale ellen got a hold of it she put it on the ellen show we sold out instantly and that there was one of those moments where i go wow like the stupidest ideas ever if you put a little love and effort into them can really catapult to places that you would never imagine them going just believe in what you're doing and people will get behind you yeah i mean and troy's we've had troy on troy is is oh, awesome an amazing photographer you know you see a picture you know it's troy's like there's no yep. mistaking a troy photo like it's it's just so obvious you know and and it's pretty cool because there's you know a handful of great photographers out there that are you know shooting comedy and they all have their kind of unique style but troy's to me is the most like unique you see it you know it's troy's like when, when we watched the um the comedy store you know documentary and all those photos scrolling yeah. through it like there is no question who those photos like who took those shots like they're all choice right it, it's so yeah for sure awesome. and he's an awesome dude that's why I love I love him so much, and I've been fortunate to be able to bring him to different music festivals with me, where right. I was producing comedy. And like Troy's such an amazing photographer, anyway. But music festivals is a world he was never really accustomed to or a part of, and he was like a five year old kid at Christmas time, right. like oh my, like the most you know aud- auditory and sensory, just everything explosion, and he was just running around with his camera, snapping everything, and just the joy on his face it felt like i was at my first festival again it was just so beautiful to watch did he shoot it the same way he shoots comedy was a lot of it black and white or did he or did he no he goes full color at those things oh yeah they are they are magical rainbow lollipop gumdrop (laughs) yeah it's wonderful yeah he's he's super he's awesome so where are you originally from baltimore yeah. Ooh, Grew up in Baltimore, stayed there till I was uh, 19, moved to Pittsburgh for four years, went to school over there. And then as soon as I was done school, I moved to L.A. to try to be an actor right. and uh, been here for 12, over 12 years. Wow. And ha- how did you start? Ha- Where did you did? So you got your starting comedy in L.A. Like you didn't start. Yeah. You came to L.A. and were like, I'm going to do comedy. Right. I did the thing that 
six months later, I learned everyone tells you not to do, right. um, which is start in a huge scene where right. people will see you right away. But I didn't know any better. Uh, you know, acting was one of those things where I like, I love doing it. And I was already in the Screen Actors Guild when I moved out to um, California. So, but it was also just, it was so few and far between of when I would get to do it. And right. my friend was like, you should really try stand up. And he pushed me into doing this bringer show. Um, I didn't even know what that was right. but he just said hey i booked you on a show it's in two weeks you need to write six minutes and be ready to perform so basically he just like you know threw me directly into the fire and was like you better learn how to put yourself out otherwise you know and the set the second i did it though i was like oh this forever this is right. all i want to do now i don't care about anything else and it's been a uh, it's it's been running ever since. It's actually my this Friday, March thirteenth is my is my official twelve year stand up anniversary. Really, it's Nick's hey. birthday. Yep. Nick's birthday is March thirteenth. No, the twelfth, but <laughs> close. <laughs> well, Nick, I'm I'm gonna drop my anniversary. We're only gonna celebrate you. That's truly the more Thank important. Thank you. Day, That's why so. we had you on. I want you to change your date. Wait, is it Friday? Oh, of course. Friday is the twelfth. Then. Yes. Okay. Saturday. <laughs> <Wait, is> this- <laughs> Is this this Friday is the twelfth? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then Sat is Saturday. The thir- yeah, Saturday's the thirteenth. You're okay, right. So it's so all right. So I'm I'm half right. Um, <laughs> yeah. so that, Which is that usually just, what you are, correct? <laughs> yeah, usually. Yeah. If I'm half right, I'm doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> it's very funny. That's that's kind of how Nick got started too. So Nick's stand up, and his friend just signed him up for a show you know, without even Nick's approval or not approval, but permit, like just yeah, do it. His friend just did it, and that's how Nick got his start. Yeah. You know what? I think it's a good thing. Like uh, a lot of people, they, I didn't, I didn't know how to start in comedy. And it's one of those things where for years people were asking me like, where, where do I, can I see you come? You should be a comedian. Are you? I was a tour guide when I lived in Pittsburgh on duck boats. <laughs> like I did the just ducky tours for three years. Oh, and there wow. was literally where we docked the duck boats and where we let people on and off. There was a funny bone directly next door. And I never even once went in there. I never even <laughs> thought about it. And people all the time would get off my tour. They'd be like, you're great. So let me guess, you do this, then you run into the comedy club and perform there. And I'm just like, wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's one of those things where until, until somebody tells you, I here's how to be a comedian, you don't realize you can just go be a comedian. Like I didn't know about open mics and all these other things. I would just watch like HBO specials and just think, well, that's like a superhero, right? That's not me. Yeah. And until somebody goes, no, just go do it. Then, then I was like, Oh, anyone can do this. Yeah. For better or worse. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, yeah, that's- I, don't know, I don't know if anyone can do it. <laughs> well, anyone can do it, but anyone can't do it. Well, <laughs> Yes, well, that's a very good point. Not everyone can excel at it, and not everyone has the huevos to stay in and deal with the amount of uh, rejection and rejection that is constantly pounded into our faces every single day. Sure, yeah, that part uh, takes some thick skin. So what was it like? What was it like your first time on stage? So my first time, yeah, I totally remember because there's actually a clip of it on YouTube and this guy, this guy filmed it, then posted it and I can't contact him to take it down. So uh, I don't really (laughs) care because the host does say it's my first time ever. So it's fine. Like if anyone watches it, but honestly, my first time I talked way too fast. 
but I did really, really well overall, considering a first time, which is actually a pretty common tale. You'll hear a lot of people be like, oh yeah, my first time was amazing because you don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're doing. You have this raw energy just kind of floating out of you. Now my next like 10 times after that, bombed like shit um because i had false confidence i was like oh well okay i did i got it dude this is how dumb i was my second set ever i was like okay well my first set did really well so i better write a brand new six minutes for my second set so i can start building material i was like why why did i think that was acceptable or a good idea in any way because i didn't know anything that's why yeah you come out come out of the box hot with a solid you know tight 20 yeah, exactly. I'm ready to go, everybody. Just throw me on stage. I don't need notes. I'll just, I'll just riff, bro. <laughs> Does anyone need a feature act? Because, like, I could do it. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, I, I am really curious how you how you transition. You know, you started acting in, in the Guild and then you comedy and then become, you know, really one of the absolute best roasters that does roasts like i mean it's, it truly is incredible and that's why i really like i really enjoyed the the comedy central but then i think your agt stuff is just i mean it's so fearless and so incredibly funny i'm v- and you know you're taking apart these four and you know very well-known famous hosts of this show like my question is a did they know in advance and what was their reaction afterwards? So um, I was recruited to do that show. So essentially what happened is we were doing Roast Battle at the Comedy Store for years. I'd been on the Comedy Central show and uh, a producer came because they were looking for someone to roast the judges. So Roast Battle basically just sent them like five of our top people people to show them what they could do and i had already done the comedy central show and i said look i don't think roasting is right for agt but if i'm gonna do it this is how i want to do it and i showed him like my my character that has like the tail and wears like these like very fabulous outlandish clothing and is very arrogant and they were like okay we really like this this is really fun but um and so the judges have no idea what is coming the judges have basically have a p we were convinced this time and time again by our producers they have a piece of paper that says alex hooper comedy but they don't know what i'm going to do other than some sort of comedic performance so like that first one in 2018 like that reaction i didn't think it was going to go well necessarily what happened was far beyond what I what I ever could have imagined. The sound of 3,000 people screaming at you with bitter vitriol sure. is impossible to escape in any way. And that performance could have broken me, but luckily I used it to become way more resilient. Um, and honestly, I've never talked to the judges aside from when I was on the show, except for Howie Mandel. Um, because the first season I got kicked off immediately, so yeah. there was no talking to them. Sure. Um, then this season, I couldn't talk to them because of COVID. 
Right. So, and all I wanted to do, I wanted so I wanted to talk to Sofia Vergara so bad. I wanted to just walk up to her and be like, just so you know, I love you so much. This is all for fun and satire. Like, this is not serious. And, but I, I wasn't even able to do that. So, mm-hmm. Howie has told me that he thinks I'm hilarious and brilliant and he really likes what I do. But the others, I don't know what they think about me. Well, you would think that Howie as a comedian would yeah, the second knows. the second you come up and start doing what you're doing, like he obviously has to, you know, he knows what the what the bit is, you know. So for for him to take that in the way Sofia Vergara obviously didn't know what the fuck was going on, like yeah, you know, you you kind of I I don't know what I think about that, but I watched it and I'm like, wow, that's that's fearless like to do to do that and you know because that setting is not you know the belly room that's not you know comedy central where people know like this is you know a a very like you know like vanilla american game show yes and that's what i i very much know my part on that show is to be a heel i'm there to come in and shake things up and i do something that is so completely different than what what the audience of that show for the most part even wants like you know i'm such the antithesis of what they're looking for which is what makes it so fun like i have people all the time that are like alex like you're that's the wrong show for you and i'm like that's why it's funny yeah 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 totally totally because i'm not supposed to be doing this and everyone else like everyone else is like trying to please the judges and trying to do anything they can to be like do you love me do you love me and i'm just up there flipping my little tail going i don't care what you think about me you're like like, you're like the villain in the wwe you're like the person you're just trying to stir the pot yeah yeah. everybody stay up i love it called kogan's legs Uh, yeah all those midwest moms are just watching you like oh i want to watch a blind girl sing opera or something whatever (laughs) yep and then you come out with like some you know oh i love it nick have you seen it have you do you know the clip i'm talking about yeah, it's it. it's so, it's like stomach turning. It's so good. But then they obviously thought enough of your performance and you as as a comedian to bring you back like in a yeah. stressful time, you know, in mid covid to bring you onto that show to kind of do that same thing in a different kind of storytelling way. Like they obviously must have had a positive reaction to you being on the show in the first place. Yeah, I mean, what what ended up happening was like, so the clip went super viral and was seen. I mean, it has o- overall almost 100 million yeah, plays. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of like, I went back to them and I was like, guys, like, what if we do this again? Come back and apologize. And this was decided that I was going to do it in September of 2019. So my audition for 2000, because the producers were all about it. They thought it was such a fun idea. Like, let's bring this guy back. He was popular, but in a weird, like fringe way. And it's very rare to get brought back. But my audition for 2020 um, in front of the judges was on March 14th. And literally when I got home, they announced lockdown. Wow. So it was, that's why I had, you know, no audience. And what I will say what that did for me is it led me to really get creative with my later performance in the show when I'm like doing the whole storybook thing with the throne and I had nothing but time to think about like how can I make this the best performance possible without an audience how am I going to do this and still make it viable because this was 
That show sucks for comedians normally. This was the worst season ever if you were a comedian. Sure. I, I heard from so many fans, they were like, man, the comedians aren't funny this year. It's like, you try to be funny when no one's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard. Greens and for the people in front of you hated you from the last time. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Make, those, yeah. make, make this work. <laughs> but I will say, like, you know, I appreciate all the kind words you said about me, like, as a comedian and a road because I do even though they are part of the same like they're both part of me the roasting thing is like I look at that as a character and I very much like that's why I'm so bravado and so like just like you can't hurt me when I'm doing that character there's nothing you could say to me that would make me flinch or make me back down in any way whereas I'm a lot more vulnerable as a stand-up comedian but I'm also in real life I'm super sweet and empathetic and silly and I just want everyone to feel good so the roasting thing is completely paradoxical to how I actually am and that's why to me it's so silly right yeah, I, I think you get that from a lot of people that are like really good roasters. Like it, it's it's kind of, you know, they it is it's like a character that they're playing in that scenario. But that's not like we, you know, Met Broussard, you know, he's it's just so funny watching him do that because the, the, the few interactions we've had with him and, you know, he's done our show and it it's just it, it's just funny. Like, I don't know. I got a kick out of that. Right. Especially you and him like that. He, he's such oh, a yeah. target, like too, like watching him, he It's such an easy target at him. He knows it. <laughs> both, but the thing is, both of us are. That's why that battle is so beautiful because it's literally beauty versus beast, yeah. where you have the <laughs> most, you have the most straightforward, handsome, like ski instructor level model <laughs> yeah, yeah. Against, <laughs> against this against this weirdo like you know dirty mop who's flaunting on stage wearing tight furry clothing and throwing lollipops around like the the, the two of us together i think are such you know, a beautiful dynamic and that's why i love that battle so much and also because we are both like g- good writers and i think it comes oh, yeah. what i what i would do wouldn't work if I wasn't a good joke writer. Sure. Like I've I've seen other people at Rose Battle, like mainly after I started doing it, try to do character work. And sometimes it was successful, but the thing is a lot of times people would be like, I just am gonna be this character, but they didn't put the work into the writing. And the writing has to come first. It sure. always does. Yeah, oh yeah, for absolutely. I feel you, man. I feel you. So now what have you been doing with you know, COVID gets locked down. So like, what have you been doing to stay busy? We know you have a book out. Yeah. How to roast so, your friends. Love it. I, I had, a, I, you know, I, I, I will un- unashamedly say I had a really good year. It was a difficult year, but I was able to, with no work of any kind, except for AGT for a while, I was able to relax like crazy. I was just like slacklining in the park, playing tennis, meditating, journaling, reading. Um, I was able to, uh, and then, so the book came out because when lockdown was, uh, right after Thanksgiving, we realized we were going to go into lockdown again. And I started to have like a mental break down of like what am I going to do I can't just keep relaxing <laughs> like <laughs> just, I, it, I know how that sounds like and it's such a privileged thing to say no but, like, it's I true know, it's true yeah it's I true. thrive on work and being busy and that's where my energy comes from and so my fiance and I started talking about it and she's like well what if, what do you want to do and I was like maybe write a book and she's like well what kind and I was like self-help personal development but like anti 
self-help yeah. that works. And when we started breaking it down, we realized that we could write this like 28 day workbook challenge type book where I would teach people how to roast themselves to take the power away from all of the judgments from other people that we all feel. And that's the whole thing is like, we all have things that we hate about, about ourselves and that we think other people don't like us or see in us. And if we just own those things, then we can truly free ourselves and be whatever we want to be, which is something that honestly, like roasting taught me being getting made fun of all the time and having this arena to just be this character, but also take hits again and again, taught me that like, who cares what people say about me? Like, I, I know who I am and I know what I am. Exactly. So this doesn't hurt anymore. And now it's just pure fun. Now I invite people to roast me. I'm like, if you got a joke, please tell me. Yeah, it is like, I haven't really thought about it in the self-help way, but clearly that's, that's a really good perspective to come at it from is if you can get roasted, right. And you can understand what that means, then you are sort of like built with armor. Mm -hmm. like, and that was the big thing in 2018, the general message from America's Got Talent was, wow, why are these judges so full of themselves? Yeah. Why, like, who am I? These people are famous multimillionaires that have everything <laughs> in the world. And then some Dr. Seuss character comes out and just says, like, you look like a toe. And they're like, it's like, it makes them look so weak. Yeah. Whereas Simon is laughing his ass off the whole time and, and just enjoying the what's happening and sure. honestly that's how it should be we yeah. should all just be able to be like yeah who cares yeah well yeah. you know like simon of the four of them like he he's been shit on the most in the public of any yeah. you know he's 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 taken plenty of lumps especially the last couple of years with all this shit between him and his friend and the baby and the girl and all that crap. like he's he's taken it you know yeah they wouldn't let me write jokes about that i tried <laughs> <laughs> I, I would put so much money on that but like, oh man, you, you know, I got to tell you this real quick. They so they were they basically they told me in my second performance this year they were like Alex, we want you to go really hard, like really hard. The judges want you to go hard, and I was like, I don't think you know what that means. Yeah, I was like, gonna say. <laughs> they were like, it's gonna be okay. Send us your jokes. And I thought about this woman, this producer, having to sit in a room and read these jokes out loud to all the producers and i wrote some of the gnarliest shit i have ever written so that when they would come back and go whoa that was a lot then yeah. i could get through other ones yeah, that sure. probably wouldn't have slipped through before because right. they don't seem as bad yeah you know it's funny we um we we interviewed uh, lisa lampanelli a couple days ago Nice. And she's made an incredible career of roasting and all that stuff. You know, the big, the day is roast, of course. And I, you know, I oh, yeah. her because when she did that, you know, she's now retired, but when she did that, you know, she was, you know, she, after that, she went through her weight loss surgery. So now, you know, she's much different, like not as easy of a physical target as she used, you know, as she once was when people would just make all the jokes that they made about her and her size and the guy she dated and all that shit. And I said to her, I'm like, you know, that, that has to be incredibly tough to sit through time and time and time again, when, when you're just, you're taking the brunt of all these other people coming at you harder than anyone else, you know, because that's how it comes off. And she said, as long as the joke is well-written, it's good. She said, yep. if someone takes a, you know, a sloppy joke or a, or a cheap shot that's not well-written or thought out, then, then that, then that has more 
you know, chances of hurting because it's it's not a good, well-written joke. If it's well-written, say the nastiest shit about me you possibly can because it's funny. That's what, well, that's kind of why I fell in love with Roast Battle in the first place is I was I was watching all these shows pop in like cities like Portland and places that were like safe space shows is what they were calling them, where like you bring, <laughs> no leave way. all the misogyny, homophobia, sexism, racism, all of that. Leave it out. Oh. This is a safe space. And I was like, to me, I was like, that's not safe. Yeah. Like that's that has rules. What to me is safe is roast battle because we sell it, say, say whatever we want. We celebrate everybody in the same way. And the only way a joke is offensive is if it's not funny. Yeah. That's when it's offensive. And that's why I think it's such a poignant thing that Lisa Lampanelli said is like, yeah, don't take a cheap shot at me. Come up with a really good fat joke. And I will honor the fact that you took the time to do that. Right. And that's kind of what makes Roast Battle so fun is that we can get away with saying some really heinous statements. But if it's a good joke, you're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, it's funny. I've always, told people this like growing up with my dad my dad you know from new york or italian family i mean i was surrounded even my dad just in the community he was like a ball buster it was like hanging out every day with like the dean martin rose like it was like he had don rick like everyone just ripped each other their race everything i didn't know sensitive people existed until i was in my 20s like i got to college <laughs> i was like i got to college and i was like yeah like bust balls and they're like i don't like that man i'm like <laughs> Well, that's your fault for going to Wells Lane. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I could, like I could fucking get in there. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry, you're, sorry, you're more of a Vassar girl. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I would love to see Nick at either of those two colleges. I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do it. No, I wouldn't make it. But yeah, I just like you said, there's something for those millionaire superstars to not be able to take a joke or like get all. Yeah. It's like you're rich and famous. You won. You've won. You won life. You're rich and famous. You can't take a joke now. Like, uh, you're not a real yeah, person I, to me. Like, I, I, I get away from me. I honestly, I give the show a lot of credit because, like, if that's not a show that I would ever watch otherwise had I not been on it. I'd actually only Agreed. ever seen like clips that my friends had done and things like that from the show. Um, but the fact that they were like, yes, let's bring you back and let's really give you a platform to do what you want to do. And they were so respectful. They listened to all of my ideas. They were, if I wanted to fight for a joke that they said was inappropriate, they would straight up say, okay, why do you want to say it? Tell me, fight for it, go ahead. So the fact that I was able to come back and go all the way to the quarterfinals was honestly, I give a huge testament to the producing team and everyone over there for allowing me to just be myself and do that because that's not they didn't have to do that yeah especially on network television like that like that's like if it were netflix or something like that like but they have such strict rules usually that's that is yeah. cool that they let you do that that was awesome and I, and what a and good challenge for me too to have to roast as hard as i can but in an in a, a family a family friendly setting like that was those were very difficult jokes to write without going too far over the line in any way right right i i wonder if if that would have gone differently if howard stern was still one of the judges like, I bet it would have. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He, he just, I mean, you would think it would because he obviously gets the joke, right? Sort of pioneered, you know, like these roasts in, in a wide, you know, wide audience way. And, 
you know, like I can't see him taking the side of Sofia Vergara or Mel B, you know, being like, oh, woe is me. You know, it's like he would be the one to say you got bill- millions and millions. Of- Shut the fuck up. Take the joke. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you know what's funny is so in my first audition in 2020, Sophia was cracking up the whole time. The thing is, I went, uh, I, they, they edited out all of my jokes about her because I think they thought they were a little bit too harsh, right. but she was laughing. And afterwards, she said, she's like, I really like you. You're so funny. I like your outfit. I want you to come back and destroy me, which was honestly, I've kept that. I, I have that five seconds of her saying that like locked into my skull yeah. forever in case I might in case I'm ever on the road and need like material to think about I just think about her saying come and destroy me and it's like okay I got it um but yeah, they, but what happened is when Simon hurt himself and he wasn't there anymore suddenly their boss wasn't right next to them yeah. how he kind of became the bad guy right. and so Sophia and Heidi teamed up to be like well we're offended by this and I get it we're all yeah. making television I'm not sure. angry at anybody yeah of course of course yeah, yeah. Um, so like who are besides you know what you know the Comedy Central show and obviously HT like who are the guys like that you really look forward to battling or you've battled you know you've had the best battles with just you know on a personal level um so the first time i ever one of my favorites ever uh i battled frank castillo uh, a yeah, couple of times sure. and that's uh that's always really fun yeah. um we the first time i ever wore that outfit that i wore on agt and comedy central against broussard was against pat barker and that was like such a moment for me it was like right toward the end of 2016 in november and i decided i was going to wear this outfit and i was so scared of coming out dressed like that and trying to roast in this new way but it was like it was such a moment for myself and for the show that it turned out that it really kind of solidified in me like oh I can do whatever I want here there's no rules and the more of a game I make this for myself the more fun it's going to be for everybody Um, I think so I mean, there's so many, there's so many good battlers um, that I even like struggle like to think of like some of my favorite fights. I mean, I know I had great ones with Leah Kajanian and um, uh, Jay Light and Doug Fager. Um, it's there's just yeah, I love roast battle. It's just yeah. it, it opened me up to so many new ways that I never right. I never thought I would be a roaster ever in my life. So. And where where did you come up with the outfits? Like what what made you say, you know what, I'm going to do this. None of them are going to do it, you know, awesome and write killer material. But I'm going to throw in an outfit with a tail because I see Nick I mean, doing that. <laughs> like Nick. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, a few, I'm like a year or two away from that, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Please, my way. Hey, I'll take you shopping. We'll have a really good time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I I go to a lot of music festivals. I perform, I go to them, I perform comedy at them, I produce comedy for them. And like, not just like Coachella's and stuff like that, but like smaller, like really like Burning Man style music festivals where it's, they're kind of lawless and everyone is expressing themselves as radically and freely as possible. And I was at one of these festivals and I was wearing that outfit with the tail. And I just thought like, I was like, I was tripping and I looked at one of my friends and I was like, I have a battle in two weeks. Wouldn't it be hilarious if I wore this? And he goes, yeah, that'd be super funny. And I was like, but I can't do that. And he's like, no, 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 you can't. And we started looking at each other. He's like, can you? Can I I wear this at the comedy store? 
on stage? Am I allowed to do that? And what was so funny about it is I came out in this trench coat and I dropped the trench coat. I had all these people in the audience throwing glow sticks at me. So wow. Pat Barker, who I'm battling, and this is a championship match, and he was convinced he was going to beat me for the number one spot in LA uh, at Roast Battle. And he, he got so pissed. Half the Roast Battle community thought what I did was the most brilliant thing ever. And half of them said, Alex just cheated. This isn't fair. Um, <laughs> if we're not ourselves, then how are we supposed to battle the right. other person? And I was like, I'm still me. I'm just putting on funny clothing and talking in a silly voice. You're still battling Alex Hooper. Yeah, right. So, you know, there's no, that's what, there's no rules to this. So just for me, I was like, I'm making the show better. If you just want two guys in plaid shirts to call each other rapists for 10 minutes, <laughs> that's fine. But I can, <laughs> I think we can evolve past this and be a more entertaining <laughs> thing. And that's kind of my, I always try to think bigger than myself. How can we make the show better? Right. That's actually something Troy Conrad taught me years ago. He, he got it from the Michael Jackson documentary when he, not, not that Michael Jackson yeah. documentary, by the way. <laughs> um, the one that came out when he was like building his last tour. Sure. Anytime somebody said, Michael, we want to add this to, we want to do this. He would say, how does it make the show better? And if it didn't, if they didn't have a good answer, it wouldn't go in the show. And right. Troy kind of instilled that in me is like, okay, how can we go bigger? How can we be more creative? How can we make it better? Right. And that's how I approach everything now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's um, wild, man. Did, did people, do people say the same thing about Skakel and, and his outfits when he comes out and battles and his random weird... <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's the thing is like I wasn't that's the thing is like Earl and I have talked about this a lot and Earl right. someone Earl and I have never battled and it was something that we tried to put together for a very long time but by the time we, we you know we both kind of had just different things going on but Earl everyone was like oh well that's just Earl like he's just being Earl he's wearing leather pants and oiling up his body and all that and I was like yeah I'm just being me too this is right. this I, I know you guys are thinking this is some freak character this is one of the truest versions of myself I've ever presented like I've never felt more free than I do right now I'm not restricted in any way I am and that's the other thing is like when people said I cheated I was like I think I gave him the easiest opponent of all time. Sure. I gave him all the material in the world to just be like, look at this stupid clown. Who the hell gets like, who the hell wears this shit? And Jeff Ross was begging him. He's like, Pat, just look at him. Just <laughs> Stop thinking about your jokes. Just look at him right now. Just, you know what to do with this. And do you see this? Do you see what's in front of you? <laughs> right. And, and Pat and I are really good friends now, but right up that battle i went up i was like hey pat i gotta talk to you and he goes i need a day and just walked away from me wow and i was like whoa like okay he's he's kind of pissed but he eventually realized that what i was doing was for the sake of the show and sure. it's all to me it's all just good fun yeah. it's all just silliness yeah i mean come on that's i i think it's perfect thank Great. you it's fantastic I really, I, I do desperately want to see Nick come out on stage in a tail in one of your fur coats. Like, I really, really want to see. Let me that. get good at roasting first. Well, I haven't, really I've never done a roast battle in my life. <laughs> I've only been well, doing comedy know, hey, a short time, so. 
I, I don't, it's in, it's, I'll teach you in my book, but also on my website, hoopercomedy.com, if you, uh, you, there's a free nine part roasting guide of how to throw a roast and write the jokes and all that stuff. So if anyone goes to my website through this, the first thing that's going to pop up is a screen that says, Hey, do you want this roasting guide? Just sign up for my email list and you get it. So, you know, I have all that stuff out there and available. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna have to check it out now. You should because we're gonna throw a roast out here pretty soon. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, the you know the last thing, I, one of the last things I want to ask you about is is the special that you have up on your website, right? So mm-hmm. you have this comedy special on your website that's not just your traditional typical stand up show, right? It's it's a combination of a bunch of different sets you did across London, right? Mm-hmm mixed in with documentary footage with one of your friends, mixed in as a travel lock. Yeah. Right. You um, actually described right. that very well. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what it <laughs> is, right? So, like, it's a travel log through London, stand-up, and then your stuff that you guys did throughout the city. It's very cool. Like, it's super-duper cool to see that. It, it's... I don't know where it fits like in my mind is what it if it's more travel documentary is it more stand up special but regardless to all of that it's fucking great <laughs> it's Thank really you. it's really one of the most unique things I've seen someone put up you know on a site and whatever they've done it's really cool Thanks. I mean, what happened? I think that's that's that was part of the reason why it was it was tough for us to kind of like market that and like find a way to like really how to talk about it. How do we describe what this thing is? And I think you did really nail it. Um, and the thing is, like that was it was kind of an accidental project. My friend and I that made that uh we had plans to shoot a special. Um, we had, had doing this big outdoor thing. We had, it was, um, but then obviously COVID happened. We couldn't make that happen. So he's like, look, I was going to put you together a little like seven minute little tour documentary from London when we went. Let me see. I have a lot of footage. Let me see what I can do with this. And he went in and just kept like, you know, taking off the fat and just really scraping it down and really whittling it into something that it, moves really well and i think the biggest problem with comedy specials these days you hear it all the time there's too many specials aren't special anymore so how do you do something that's different well we were like if we don't just show you on stage the whole time if we underlay it with b-roll footage and just just you having fun and running around the city going from spot to spot and what we realized very quickly is that everyone like like people love watching comedy but they don't know what the comedians are doing for the other 23 hours of the day yeah and this shows you this is me on tour this is like so it's kind of like you have um backstage access to running around a brand new city with me and that's how we looked at is like if anthony bourdain was a comedian what kind of thing would he put out percent it's it's really funny because i I used to produce and develop like non-scripted TV, right? And I was always looking for these cool, different, fun projects that aren't the everyday, you know, let's find some group of hot girls and trail them around Denver. Like who fucking cares, right? Right. One of the projects I I got the farthest with that ultimately fell apart like almost every other fucking television project does was a show almost identical to what you did, but it was based in sports, right? So it was a baseball show where we followed one player, right? So he would go into each city and it wasn't about the game. It was about what they, what he did and how he spent his time in his off day. It was called off. Yeah. And it was like so incredibly interesting because people think that, you know, you fly into a town, they go out to nightclubs, they bang girls, they come home, they, they 
play some baseball and then they go into the next town and it's the same shit, whether it's baseball, football, soccer, whatever it is. And it's obviously so much farther from the truth that that's what it is. And it it's a great backstage shot at what really is going on. And that I really that's what you nailed. Like you truly did. And I, my favorite part of it was when <laughs> you, I forgot the exact line you said, but you were out talking to people and you're like, I'm having a great time out here talking to people. None of them want to talk to me, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, you know, so really I have to give all the credit in the world to my director, editor. He did original music. His name's Kyle Troxel. He's brilliant. He really did all this. And yeah, the bit you're talking about, I'm talking about how I hate my phone. And literally every single shot is me in London looking at my phone. And I didn't even, I wasn't even aware that he was filming me all this time. And so that's what, like, when I knew we had something really good here was he showed this to me and I really enjoyed watching it. And it, I don't, I don't like watching myself. I, I'm, you know, anyone who does is a sociopath. Right. Um, so when I watched this, I went, dude, this is really good. And this moves really well. And this is so different than what other people are putting out. And honestly, this became, this is going to become our calling card and our template for how we're going to do everything in the future. We're already working on another one that combines my love of slacklining with comedy. And we're just going to keep making these documentary style specials that are just in my opinion, more interesting for the average person to watch than me just on stage for an hour talking, you know, show the other things as well. The jokes are still there. You still get a ton of stand up in there, but you also get a lot more. Yeah, it's kind of reminiscent a little bit. I'm not and Nick is going to lose his fucking mind when I say this, but it's fine. It's like when the early, early Seinfeld shows, when they started the show with the stand up routine and then they Mm -hmm. went into the show about nothing and then they ended with a stand up routine. Right. Right. It's kind of like interweaving, you know, stuff with what, you know, like your job is with the stuff that goes behind it that makes it a hundred more times interesting. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. I, I'm so glad that you watched it and picked up on all that because that's exactly what we felt when we were when he was making it and when he showed it to me and we were continuing to edit. Is just like it. Let's just show people more than just the joke process, and that's. I think. I think that's why it really did well, and the feedback we got on it was just really beautiful and very. Uh, open-minded and uh i was really happy because it made me just go uh, you know i've always done things a little bit differently as we've talked about throughout this entire podcast and this is another way where i'm like okay how can we up what i'm doing and take a bigger risk maybe i'll fall flat on my ass but if i don't the reward is so much greater fortune favors the bold you know and i will i'm willing to fail if it means that the results might be that much higher oh 100 i totally agree with that that's that that's where the fearless nature of just putting shit out there is you know if you if you're not you know there, there's a fine line between like being you know, okay with the failure as long as the payoff is big as a, and on the other side of people just that are so willing to do anything regardless if it succeeds or fails. Like there's a weird line there, but obviously you need something at stake to make that payoff greater, right? Like Definitely. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, Nick, what else you got? No, dude, just want to thank you for taking <laughs> 
<laughs> he is cute. You know what? <laughs> Let's stop recording. I'm going to take this up. <laughs> Nick, when I, I'm trying to get Nick out to LA one of these days when, when shit opens back up and gets gets done. Yeah. Um, and That'd be nice. I, I think the, the, the give the, us a few months. The, the, yeah. the, 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 the coming out on, I'm coming out Saturday, actually. Oh, are you? Yeah. Um, nice. For, for a show at, at Employees Only um, in Hollywood. Cool. And but I really want to bring Nick and I want him to get into your closet. I think that <laughs> that would be something. To I'm already f- in the closet, bro. Come on. I, uh, I, I want, to, <laughs> want to push you deeper in it. And then I uh, got you. OK, in, in it, does, it, it my closet looks like looks like the Sesame Street characters are going <laughs> to a rave. Like, it is. It's just fur and sequins and kimonos. <laughs> and it's tons of color. And honestly, like it took me a long time to really dress that way and when I started doing it I just felt so much more comfortable and so much more myself and it really brought my comedy to a whole different level I think because I suddenly started was able I was like this is who I am and this is who I'm going to celebrate right yeah no it's love awesome. it man and that's awesome I'm a huge fan really for a while enjoyed every you know all their all your shit it's really great appreciate you taking thank you time. um everyone should definitely go re- regardless whether you you want to roast someone or not you should definitely read his books. They will help you in a lot of different ways, especially if you want to burn your friends to the fucking ground. Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> definitely get these books. <laughs> that I could say. So listen, man, thank you very much. Keep keep in touch. We'll be looking out for the next thing that's up on your website that's a combination travel log, behind the scenes documentary stand-up special on whatever it's going to be. And uh, good luck with everything, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Greg and Nick, this was such a pleasure to be here. And I thank you so much for having me on. This was really fun. Thanks, brother. Absolutely, dude. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye, guys.